Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, good morning to all of you watching and worshiping online. God has a word for us today. How many believe that? His word is always relevant, it's always on time. It always addresses, it's, it's never outdated. His word is so important in the direction and the leading of our lives. Just as you saw in a life that was changed from a, a lifestyle filled with sin and now a missionary to the Dominican Republic. That's the word of God transforming lives. Thank God for his word. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, what the devil does, one of his greatest strategies is trying to cause people to feel abandoned, to feel deserted, alone, no one there, forsaken. And that is an overwhelming, destructive emotion and dynamic that can literally pull a person all the way to the despair of no longer desiring to live. I did some research on this topic of loneliness And I found this, psychologists reveal the following statistics. Did you know that over 40% of Americans struggle with feelings of isolation? Have you ever felt isolated? I think especially during the pandemic, when no one was allowed to venture out, we were pretty much on lockdown, that isolation really caused people to feel lonely and abandoned. Socialization is a part of our DNA, it's how God made us. They also brought out that more than 60% of married couples, this is mind-boggling, over 60% of married couples feel alone. Here you have someone in your household, but if things are not where they need to be, it's two people living together, but totally detached. Medical doctors bring out that loneliness increases your blood pressure, so if you want to lower your blood pressure... Eat right, but don't be lonely. Get some people around you. It increases blood pressure, raises your cholesterol, and it even activates physical and psychological stress responses, similar to PTSD. Loneliness, then, as a result of all these dynamics, it can also suppress your immune system. So scientists have concluded that loneliness increases the risk of an early death by 14%. That is the power of when people feel isolated, alone, abandoned, forsaken, walking this life with no one else with them. And that's a very real dynamic in the hearts and minds of people, not only in our nation, but around the world. It's debilitating as well as life-threatening. So here's the question. What can be done to offset the effects of loneliness? And the Word of God does address this, and we're going to look at the life of an individual who actually walked this to the point, a great man of God, where he no longer desired to live. His name is Elijah. So look at 1 Kings chapter 19. I'll be reading verses 9 and 10. I'll have other verses from the same text, 
as we move through this message today. Scripture reads, and there he went, speaking of Elijah, into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he, Elijah, said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel, they have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. In our text, Elijah felt isolated and alone, abandoned, the last person to honor and love the Lord of the prophets standing, which wasn't true, but that's how he felt. He had just challenged the prophets of Baal, rebuilt the altar of God, fire fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, even ate up and pulverized the stones that the altar was made of. Nothing was left but dust. He then put to death the prophets of Baal. Then he began to intercede because during that time there had been a three and one half year drought. Through the mouth of Elijah he spoke by the command of God there would be no rain until he spoke again. And after this challenge, after the altar had been repaired, after God supernaturally, can you imagine being there when fire supernaturally came from the heavens? He had done great things, and now the Lord instructs him to prophesy, there will be rain. During that prayer time, within moments, Scripture doesn't say how long, but it was when he was still on that mount and he was interceding, that there was a cloud the size of a man's hand. And when the servant of Elijah told him that was in the sky, the faith of Elijah rose up and said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And before the rains came, the Spirit of God came upon Elijah, and in order to find refuge and safety before this storm, which was literally torrential, it's like a monsoon, the Lord anointed him to when the chariots of, of, of Israel were trying to rush back to Jerusalem, this man of God, well up in years, he outruns the horses and chariots. Can you imagine that? You're in a horse, you're, a, you're on a chariot, or let's modernize it. You're in your car, you're on the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike, then all of a sudden a man well advanced in years runs by you with his robe tucked up higher so he doesn't trip on it. I mean, that's something you see in Hollywood where they superimpose. But the anointing of God on this man enabled him to outrun the chariots. This is the fella. This is the prophet. This is the guy who had just encountered all of this supernatural intervention. The faithfulness of God. Then Jezebel, who had embraced the spirit of witchcraft, she says, if I don't have Elijah's head before me by the end of the day, May you all be put to death. When Elijah heard those words, the same man who had rebuilt the altar, 
Fire fell from heaven. The rains of God came and saturated that region. The same one who outran the horses and chariots of Ahab and Jezebel. At that moment, instead of remembering what God had just done, this is just moments later, he fixed his eyes on the threats, the circumstances, the lies. And then at that moment, fear overwhelmed him. He runs to the desert and he hides in a cave, fearful and afraid for his life. And it's at this point, God comes to him with a specific word, and God has a specific word for all of you and even those of you who are watching and worshiping online. God came to him and said, Elijah, you are not alone. And that's God's word to you today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the loss you may have just incurred. Whatever your circumstance, and as alone as you may feel, that is not the truth. That is not the reality. God has spoken. You are not alone. But today we're going to examine why. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to understand it. So in order to realize the presence of God in our lives, you first have to face your fear. And that's something a lot of people don't want to do. They don't want to face the issue. They don't want to face the fear. They don't want to take the challenge. Listen to me. To disarm fear in your life, you have to believe what God says over what you see. Did you hear me? If you really, how many of you have ever been hit by fear? Am I the only one or have some of you encountered this emotion? In order to disarm fear, you have to believe what God says over what you see. That's the whole element of faith. Romans 4, 17, Paul says, faith calls those things which are not as though they are. You can't walk in the moment by what you see. Elijah, when he heard the threat, he reacted to what he saw. He reacted to fear. Look at 1 Kings 19.3. And when he, Elijah, saw that he arose and ran for his life. Imagine that. The fire of God. Literally. The fire of God had fallen from heaven. The rains had come. God was faithful. But then when he saw that, he arose. Saw what? The threat of Jezebel. When he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. I mean, he is in fear and panic. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. If we're really going to disarm fear, just like Elijah, then we need... To not allow what we see to dictate our faith. The walk of faith always goes eyeball to eyeball, toe to toe, with the challenges and the lies of hell. Satan says one thing, then we need to stand and say, well, Satan, that might be your opinion. But the Word of God says, love casteth out all fear. The Word of God says, if you have a 
a, a bad diagnosis from the doctor. I will live and not die and declare the glory of the Lord. Amen. That's in the face of opposition. That's in the face of the fear associated with whatever the circumstance at that moment may be. I've been walking with Jesus this upcoming January next year, 2024, will be 50 years. And I don't mean being raised in the church and, and when I was just a little boy, I committed my life to the Lord. No, I was raised in the church for a season, then I walked away. But when I genuinely made a commitment of salvation and faith in Jesus Christ, it was in 1974. And literally, I've never been the same. And so with all of that, every aspect, every defining moment that I've had in faith has always come through a challenge. God challenged me outside, challenging me to go beyond my comfort zone. Challenged me, challenging me to believe when all I'm surrounded with is unbelief. When people, even those who have authority to speak in certain areas of my life, say one thing, but yet I know God in His Word is saying another. You know, I'm, I'm always drawn back to the words of Joshua, and he says, choose you this day who you'll serve. But you serve who you believe. And when we really believe the Lord, then when we're faced with fear, opposition, circumstances, challenging times, there's dark seasons of life. There are many seasons in the natural, winter, spring, summer, fall. And there are seasons spiritually that we all deal with as well. And so when it may be a dark season in our lives, a winter season, we feel trapped inside. We can't go where we'd want to go. When we try to venture out, the elements, the circumstances, just like the weather, can be overwhelming. Sometimes they can put all of our plans on stop. Why? Because inclement weather, just like inclement circumstances, can bring your world to a complete halt. It's during those seasons we disarm fear by choosing, I believe the report of the Lord. I've said this many times, and a lot of the great mentors of faith in my life, one of them being Kenneth Hagin, he, he, he has said, if you battle the devil in the arena of the mind, you will lose every time. You can't outwit or out-debate the devil. But if you take the devil into the arena of faith, you will win every time. Why? Because the devil has no faith. He lacks that. And faith always overcomes fear. That's a fact. That's the Word of God. So here you have Elijah. He reacts to the fear. And it paralyzes him. So he runs for his life. Here's a statement. Fear reacts, whereas faith responds. Write that down. Come on, your bulletins have a note section. Fear reacts, whereas faith responds. Even in our society, we have in the safety element of, of, of those that provide oversight and protection to our community, we call them first responders, not first reactors. You know, they respond because sometimes our reaction will cause us to make a mistake. Then we're ruled by the moment rather than acting in wisdom, calculating. 
Fear reacts. Faith responds. So ask yourself, when we think of Elijah, how can a man who just called down fire from heaven put to death the false prophets of Baal and then commanded the heavens to bring forth rain, how could he allow himself to get like this? Have you ever said that to yourself? How could I have allowed myself to get to this moment? To be this downtrodden? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Paul says, we walk by faith, not by sight. That's the answer of how could I have allowed that? How could Elijah have allowed that? When we walk by sight, we're ruled by what we see and what we hear rather than what God says. Think about creation. In Genesis, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And the rest of creation, the remaining six days of creation, it was all about God speaking, and then there was. Now, every time God spoke, he didn't put his fingers over his eyes. And he didn't say, Gabriel, did it work? When he spoke, he spoke with eyes wide open. He believed. He knew. He had confidence in his word. And that's where we need to be. Faith always speaks. Did you hear me? Faith always speaks. You got to speak to the opposition. You got to speak to fear. You got to speak to the circumstances. Your victory begins with your mouth. Faith speaks. We are a product of our words. Our words create an environment. They can charge the atmosphere with frustration, anger, attitudes, issues, weakness, or as we speak and believe. And the more we speak the Word of God, it feeds our faith. Faith comes by hearing. When we speak, what are we doing? We're not only releasing, but we're also hearing what we speak. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Elijah stopped speaking faith, and he embraced fear. And that was the beginning of his debacle. Elijah reacted. Theologians, when they speak about this kind of faith, they actually put another word in front of it. They call it blind faith. Have you ever heard that term? Blind faith. One night a house caught on fire. The father and and his wife, the mother of, this, of their children, they all were able to escape to safety except their son, the little boy. When they realized he wasn't there, the father thinking the mother brought the son, the mother thinking the father brought the son to safety, there was a panic. The first responders, the fire department, the EMTs, everyone was there. The father was about to run back in, and they grabbed him and said, you cannot go in there. Let us do our job. Then the father, as he was just moving back and forth and going from one side of the house to the other, he all of a sudden, at one point, he saw at a pinnacle of the roof, his little boy had somehow made it out onto the roof through a window. He saw the little boy, but because of the smoke, the boy couldn't see him. Then the father said, son, I'm here. The little boy said, Dad, I can't see you. That's okay, I'm here. This is my voice. 
Trust me. Then the father moved to what he felt was the appropriate spot, especially because the son was blinded by the smoke. He got to an area where if his son would just jump forward at that exact spot, he believed he could catch him and take his son to safety. He went to that spot, then he yells up, Son, I want you to jump straight forward. Then the son said again, But Daddy, I can't see you. And the father responded, That's okay, because I see you. And the boy jumped. The father miraculously caught his son and took him to safety. Walking by faith is just like this. Sometimes the circumstances are the smoke that we're dealing with. And we feel like it's blocked God out of our vision. We don't feel His presence. Listen to me. Faith isn't about feeling. It's about knowing. Even when we don't feel it, I know that I know that I know. It's confidence that God will not abandon His Word. And God will not abandon you or me. And when we release this kind of faith, do you know what it does? It breaks the grip of fear. But because Elijah failed to do this in the beginning, his fear escalated and went from fear to frustration. How many of you have ever been frustrated? I think it would not be human to experience frustration. Animals even get frustrated. Do you know what frustration does? It magnifies, it enlarges fear. It does. When we're frustrated, the fear's there, we're frustrated because we can't fix the situation. So then we just try to play this scenario, that scenario. We try to fix it. And by our humanity, we can't fix it at times. There are some things that God has entrusted into our care that we can use wisdom, apply it, and it can resolve a circumstance, a situation. But then there are times when only God is our answer. How many of you have ever had an only God encounter? Whatever, it's financially, it's legal, it's children running from God, a marriage that's falling apart, a health diagnosis that shows no hope. It's an only God moment. And that's where Elijah was, an only God moment. His fear had escalated to frustration. And this is what caused Elijah to lose all hope. Sometimes when we feel there's no answers, that's when the enemy comes with despair and hopelessness, bombards our mind and our emotions. And emotions are a powerful dynamic. Jesus had to deal with emotions during his lifetime. So he knows what you're going through, what I'm going through, because he walked not only through his own, but then when he took on the sins of the world. Imagine that. I have enough when I look, when the devil throws my sins in my face. Imagine carrying all of the sins of the world from the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, to the end of time, whenever that happens. He knew what it was to feel that frustration, that pain. And when people don't have an answer, that's when hopelessness sets in. 
Look at 1 Kings 19.4. This is what Elijah is going through. So Elijah himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. Kill me. For I am no, no better than my father's. He was so filled with despair and hopelessness that he asked God to take his life. Now, aren't you glad that God doesn't answer all of our prayers? Oh, my goodness. Lord, I can't take any more. I want to go home to be with Jesus. Well, that's not our call. God says, until our purpose, everybody say the word purpose. Until our purpose on this earth is fulfilled, that we're to continue to be faithful and to serve. Scripture says, appointed unto man wants to die, not by us, not by men, but by God. After that, the judgment. One day we'll all face the, the, the final fight, that the adversary, that's called death. But because of Jesus, those of us who know the Lord, that's why Paul says death has lost its stinger. It's like a bee without a stinger. It buzzes around, you know, but if you know you're not going to get stung because there's no stinger, there's no intimidation, there's no fear involved. And that's why Paul says we don't have to fear death. Death has lost its sting. Why? Because death gives way to victory, gives way to eternity, stepping onto the streets of gold. I know there's much more for Cindy and I both to do in our lifetimes. I know there's a purpose for us. But I've got to tell you, the devil can't intimidate me with death because the moment I draw my last breath as an old, 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 old man, the power of the mouth, right? I'm going to be reunited with our daughter, Laura. I'm going to be reunited with my father and, and my grandparents, those who have preceded me, my, my spiritual father and my mentor, my uncle great man of faith. I would not be who I am today without the input and the impact that he brought to me spiritually. So heaven does, uh, hell doesn't intimidate, or hell does intimidate me. That's why I got saved. Death doesn't intimidate me because I know it gives way to eternity. Heaven. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. How many believe that? Say amen. amen. So here's Elijah's issue. I alone am left. Look at 1 Kings 19.10. So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts and for the children of Israel. And have, they have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars. Now he had just rebuilt the altar. He had just reestablished it. So here he is living in the past. That's what fear does. But he says, the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars, and have killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Do you know what Elijah's real issue was? Pride. He felt like he was the Superman. He was the human God incarnate to save Israel and preserve God's ways and purposes. I alone am left. See, the moment we begin to emphasize I, we're in trouble. And this is what opened the door for fear and frustration to wreak havoc with this great man of God. Causing Elijah to lose sight of who sent the fire. 
See, Elijah wasn't behind the fire. God was. Elijah was just obedient. He was a vessel. God will use anyone if they will make themselves available. Elijah lost sight of who sent the fire and who sent the rain. And sometimes when we're serving the Lord or we're trying to do the right things, we're trying to live our lives that bring pleasure to Almighty God. And then if everything seems to be going haywire, we say, Lord, I've done everything you want me to do. I try to be a good person. I try I'm, to get to church. I, I honor you with my time, my, my talents and abilities. And I even honor you with giving financially to your work, your kingdom. I, I'm trying to do all of those things, and now I'm in the midst of this. You see, we do what we do, not because we're trying to earn God's favor, because you can't. We do what we do because we know God deserves our complete devotion and service. He gave us all. Anything less than our all in return is unacceptable. And Elijah because he was focused on himself. He had that same mindset. Lord, I've done everything you've told me to do. And I'm the only prophet left because all the other prophets who were honoring you, they've been put to death. And now it's just a matter of time. Jezebel will find me. My head will be laid at her feet. I'm embellishing, but that is the intent of what Elijah was praying. I alone am left. And it was at this point what Elijah really needed in order for a turnaround, in order for a breakthrough. He needed a fresh baptism of faith. How many of you feel you need a fresh baptism of faith? Man, I'll take everything God has for me every day. Every day presents new circumstances, new situations, new challenges, as well as new blessings. Lord, give me a fresh baptism of faith every breath I breathe. That's what Elijah needed. Aren't you glad that God still believes in us? When we have times we struggle to believe in Him. Lord, I don't deserve this. Well, you're right, you don't. It's called grace. Even when we struggle, He still believes in us. Do you know why? He knows the end of the chapter, the last chapter of your life, how it reads. He sees not where you are, but where you will be by His Spirit. God sees the victory. God sees the fruit. God sees the effectiveness of your life. Even though we go, all of us, and you too, through those moments where it's difficult, just like Elijah, God doesn't see us remaining in that moment but going beyond it. Thank God for that. Look at 1 Kings 19, 5, and also verse 7. Then it speaks of Elijah as he lay and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. I'm, Elijah, he didn't ask for God to bring him out of this. He just complained and said, God, Take me home. Let me die. But in spite of Elijah's prayer, God, when Elijah was asleep because he was too busy thinking when he was awake, when he was asleep, the Lord sent an angel to supernaturally intervene. 
touched him. Do you know I believe for all of us that God does the same? There are times in our lives when we are asleep because we're too busy racing with every what if in our minds that God has to wait till we're asleep in order to accomplish what he wants to do to bring our breakthrough. So you know when I, when I go to sleep at night, I, I just say, Lord, decision's up to you, but I open my heart, my mind for you to send angels to touch me with your blessing if you so be it. I ask God to surround, fill our house with his angels of protection. I said, Lord, come to me in the night. I pray this. Come to me in the night. Speak to me in dreams and visions. Lord, help me to know your way. Why can't you do that? It's not reserved for someone called to be a preacher, a missionary. God wants to speak and minister and touch all of his people. And he set the precedent here with Elijah. He needed it. He didn't ask for it, but God still sent it. Sometimes I think we allow the enemy to fill us with so much condemnation. I don't deserve it. How could I have doubted God? How could this, that? All of the scenarios, the negative scenarios, that we disqualify ourselves when God hasn't. We are qualified because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And he proved that on the cross 2,000 years ago. Thank God, thank God for a baptism of faith. It says, then he lay and slept under a broom tree, and suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then look at verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Sounds like a double portion. Reminds me of Jesus. Remember the one blind man that was born blind from birth? Jesus touched him once, and Jesus says, what do you see? He says, I see men like trees walking. So it says Jesus touched him again, the second touch. That's the grace and the mercy. You know, the Lord will, will do wonders and mighty things in our lives, but don't be content with the once and final touch. Ask for a second touch, time and time and time again in your life. Touched him a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Now look at what happens next in Scripture. 1 Kings 19, 11, and 12 says, and this, this was part of our text, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. It's astounding how we're always looking for this great and mighty, you know, just supernatural demonstration. But yet Scripture says, after that great manifestation, the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, this is just like Jesus. Because he, he was pre-incarnate in this section. When the word of the Lord came to Elijah... That was Jesus' pre-incarnation. Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father. Even before this earth existed, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There are many examples in Scripture when pre-incarnation Jesus appeared, the King of Salem. There are many examples where we see the presence of Jesus. 
the Son of God, the Word of God, manifested. So when you look at this, that still, small voice. God doesn't need to be loud. I took, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me the other night, and it was, it was in conjunction with this message I was preparing. And I actually put it on my LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I said, don't allow a loud voice to drown out God's voice. Amen. The devil's loud. Peter says he goes about like a roaring lion. Lions are loud when they roar. It's intimidating. And so here was the wind, the earthquake, and then the fire. Loud demonstrations. But then God was teaching Elijah, and he wants to teach us the same. How to recognize, how to distinguish the still, small voice. You know, when you look at 1 Kings 19, 18, God says, I have reserved. Here you have, let me preempt it with this. Here you have Elijah. He, and God's answering all of these aspects of fear and frustration. Because God is disarming fear with what? His word. He's resolving this conflict within the mind and the heart of Elijah with his word. And, and, and so Elijah, remember when he complained to God, he wanted to die. And, and he says, there were, there were all the other prophets, but they've been put to death. And, and now I alone am left. God then speaks to him to let him know you're not alone. Not only because I'm with you, and that's most important, amen. But look at what he says now in 1 Kings 19, 18. I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. In other words, what was God saying? Eli, Elijah, you are not alone. And he's releasing that same word to all of you. And those of you watching online, you're not alone today. You're not abandoned. Even look around the auditorium. Those of you watching online, look within the communities where you live. There are people who love Jesus as much and even some who love him more at this point in time and venture of their lives than maybe you do. You're not alone. I thank God for those words of encouragement. And do you know when God said this to Elijah, he was instantly, immediately set free. Fear and frustration lost its grip. Why? Because Elijah believed the word. How do we know he believed the word? Because he left the cave. He stopped responding or reacting and making decisions by his fear, and now he made a decision by the word of God, and it produced fruit in his life. Elijah realized it wasn't about him. The pride was disarmed. It was about God. Elijah realized it wasn't about his resource. It was about God's resource. And we have to understand that too. When you don't have enough, that's why God, one of his names is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And you've got to believe that or you're just going to remain right where you are. Sometimes people say, I don't know if I want to be that committed or that radical with my faith like you're talking about today, Pastor. Well, I've got news for you because we are approaching the return of Jesus. Things are not getting better in this world. They're becoming more divided and more evil. 
Right is now called wrong, and wrong is now called right. The measuring stick of God's moral standard and biblical standard is being removed, and as a result, we're seeing anarchy. We're seeing, we're seeing crimes taking place and innocent lives being hurt. We're seeing the worlds, the nations around the world that are becoming in conflict with each other. We don't know who to trust. I said to Cindy the other day, who are the good guys? It's like now, even with the corruption that has entered into certain aspects of higher law enforcement, who do we trust? I remember as a little boy, we always knew who the good guys were. If I was lost somewhere, I would look for a, a man dressed in blue, right? And I would go to that police officer and he would help me. Who are the good guys now? Everyone's hands are being strapped. And I don't say this to uh, evoke hopelessness. I'm saying this because God is our strength. And there's no more riding the fence any longer. We have to make a decision. We have to either believe our emotions and the circumstances we see, or we believe the Word of the Lord. And when we believe the Word of the Lord, it will break the yoke of bondage, it will break the tyranny, and it will bring the fire from heaven. It will bring the reign of God. Hallelujah. And that's what we need individually, and that's what the world needs corporately. We need His fullness. Somebody praise the Lord. I'm preaching my heart out up here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Elijah now knew it wasn't about how big he was, but rather how big God is. How big is he to you? When David faced Goliath, it wasn't about how big Goliath was. It wasn't about how big David was. If that was the case, deal done, battle over. But David knew how big God is. And that's how you have to face every challenge, every roar of the lion, every emotion, every fear, every circumstance. It's not based on how big that adversary or that adverse situation is. It's not about how big you are. It's about how big is our God. Once Elijah's fear and frustration were resolved, his faith was restored. And for some of you, you feel like you've fallen short in the area of faith. And you want your faith restored like Elijah, a fresh baptism of faith. Then believe the word of the Lord. Focus on how big God is. It will put everything else in perspective. And that's what God desires to do today for all of you and for all of you. He wants to put things in perspective, or at least from His perspective, for your life. In conclusion, God has not abandoned you. He hasn't. Some people become angry. They become embittered. God, how could you have allowed this? Evil never comes from the hand of the Lord. And people choose. God has given every human being free will. And sometimes when we're in relationship with others, we may choose one way, but others may choose differently. And we can't blame God for the choices of others 
We're only responsible for our choices, just as they are responsible for theirs. So don't allow bitterness, issues, and attitudes to dominate. Put them underfoot. Bring them down. Paul says, casting down thoughts and imaginations and every high thing that is contrary to the Word of God, bringing every thought into captivity. You need to take those negatives, those fears, those lies that Satan brings against you. You need to take them prisoner, throw them in a spiritual jail, and just throw away the key. Don't revisit. No visiting rights for the things that bring us down. Amen? Leave them incarcerated, take them prisoner, then walk away and know whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Know that Scripture says, He will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Hallelujah. Know that by His stripes we have healing and health. Hallelujah. That's our God. And we either believe it or we don't. And if we believe it, then walk in it until the breakthrough and the harvest and the provision comes. Come on. Everybody stand. Let's bless Him. You are not alone. Did you hear me? Just say it. Say, I am not alone. I am not alone. Say it again. I am not alone. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.